Let's take our Bibles. We're going to look in the, uh, in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 7 is where we are today. And I'm, I'm, as I've been saying each, each week when we come to this, I've, I've really enjoyed the study through the book of Acts, and, and I'm looking forward to what God is going to do in our lives as, he, as the gospel shapes us. As the gospel makes a difference in our lives. You know, many times if we're not careful, we'll think that the gospel is just there to save us. But it does more than that. It's more than just the good news that brings salvation, to, that helps us to know of what Jesus did for us. Uh, it is the good news. That's what the word gospel means, the good news. But it's more than that. Uh, it's more than just good news that, that tells, us the, tells us the way to salvation. But it, but it reminds us of what God has done. Uh, and, and by his grace, the Bible says that we, that we grow, uh, we grow in, the, uh, in the graces and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To become more and more like him. And, and the gospel uh, helps us to respond differently uh, to, to different circumstances than we would have before, before Jesus became a part of our life. How many? How many of you? Uh, how many of you um, would 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 recognize that that you don't respond the same to situations today than you would have maybe a year ago? You know, some some things go on in our lives, and that a year ago, if it if it just kind of happened to us, we'd be like ah, you know, a little panicky, a little a little afraid, or whatever. Um, five years ago, ten years ago, uh, and and God, God through His grace and through His love, He shapes us and changes us. Maybe maybe you've not been uh, been saved that long. Maybe you've only been saved a, a couple of years or a few months or, or whatever it may be. And you're noticing that God is changing your life. You know, God will change you in so many ways. More than just more than just the things that you say. You know, before before you got uh, uh, before you had Jesus in your life. Before, as the Bible puts it, you were born again. Uh, maybe maybe there were some words that you used that you kind of felt uncomfortable saying those things now. Right? That's the Holy Spirit of God working in your life, helping you to see that. That's not how a, a person that believes in Jesus ought to be acting because we're reflecting Christ to the world. And that's not what he would say, right? He's not going to use that kind of language. He's not going to be having that kind of attitude. He's not going to be participating in those activities, right? He's not going to be, he's not going to be uh, singing, he's not going to be singing uh, the, 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 the uh, songs of the Lord on Sunday and the songs of the devil the rest of the week. You say, oh, there are songs of the devil? Yeah, there are, you know. Yeah. And if you listen to what the words of songs actually say, it probably surprise you and cause you to be like, I didn't know I was listening to that, you know. And, and God will begin changing your behavior. You know, I, I could get up here and I could, I could list a bunch of things and say, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. But you know what would happen? Either, either one, you'd have a tendency to, to conform to Philip's standards. And after a while, if, if the devil gets in there and causes you to get a little sideways with me or something like that, you'd be like, blah, he's putting all these rules and regulations on us. I can't live that way. And cause some division between us. I'm not going to do that. The other, the other option is for me to just point you to Jesus. 
show you his word, get you to draw close to Jesus. And you know what happens? Jesus begins to say, you know, I'm not really comfortable with this part of uh, this thing in your life. And out of love for him, you're like, hey, Jesus, if you don't like it, then neither do I anymore, right? And we respond to him the way that he deserves. And you know what that is? Worship. It's worship. Responding to him in the way he deserves. Obedience, service, all of that praise and honor. It's worship. And we ought to do that with our lives. We ought to do it day in and day out. But sometimes there are going to be some things that happen that, that God allows. And the Bible tells us that God allows things in our life. Sometimes people say, well, why do good things, uh, why, why do huh, good things happen to, why do good things happen to bad people, you know? Uh, <laughs> I don't know that one either, but uh, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to godly people? Well, it's because God knows what we need and he knows what he is doing and sometimes the things he allows in your life it might not even be for you it might be for somebody else but he's going to work through you he's going to give you grace to go through it and through what he's doing in your life the grace and the strength he gives you to go through it somebody else is watching and it's going to make an impact in their life that's going to make a difference for eternity. You know, if I can go through a little bit of hardship here, or maybe even a lot of hardship here, that would cause somebody's heart to be softened toward the gospel and see one soul in heaven, that means one more person not having to spend eternity in hell, in the lake of fire, burning and suffering and torment forever and ever. If I can have a right response to my difficult situations here, that could, that could be something to help them come to Jesus, then so be it. Now, I'm not, I'm not putting an ad in Facebook looking for some, on Facebook looking for somebody to come and persecute me. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, uh, I, I'm not shopping around for, for somebody to, you know, to, to, to be mean to me. I'm not going, th you know, we, we live across from McDonald Park over here. I'm not going over to, there to the park and offering people rocks to throw at me. I'm just seeking to serve Jesus and to reflect him with my life. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. I want to encourage you to reflect Jesus with your life and, and let the light and love of Jesus shine through you wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and let him help you with the responses. Because here, here's the thing, when, when bad things happen or when difficult things or, or troublesome things or somebody acts ugly towards you, remember our purpose, right? Remember our purpose, our purpose is, is not to be served. Our purpose is not to be, uh, our purpose is not to be respected. Jesus said, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. That doesn't sound pleasant. But he also said, I am with you always. So that kind of makes it worth it. Amen.
So remember our purpose. Our purpose is to reflect Jesus Christ. Our purpose is to let them see Jesus in us. Our purpose is, is to help others come to faith in Jesus Christ. Remember the Great Commission? Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Make disciples of all nations. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're supposed to be doing that. Somehow, the early church got it, that that's what they're supposed to do. And immediately when Jesus came into their life, they began going and reflecting that to the world around them. They went and, and began preaching. They began teaching. They began sharing Christ. They began showing the love of Jesus. And, I, and my question to us is, are we doing that? I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that, you, that you, need to, you need to go home and put on a robe and a pair of sandals and get you a staff and walk around everywhere and you know, travel, travel near and far and, and all of that and, and, and preaching and, and things like that. I'm, not saying, I'm saying that when you go to work tomorrow, whether it's, whether it's online or in person, reflect Jesus. Let them see Jesus in you. Be a person of character. And as you have opportunity, pray for people. Let them know you're praying for them. See if there's anything, anything there you can pray with them about. Hey, if they're hurting, you know, people, people, are, people are suffering. People are, are, are dying of, of, of cancer and, and people are dying of car accidents and people are dying of all kinds of things today. Just like they always have. Let them know, let people know that you're praying for them. I've got a friend, I've mentioned him before. He's a pastor over in Ohio, and his, his son is dealing with cancer. From time to time, I'll, I'll reach out to him and say, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for Logan. I'm, I'm praying for wisdom for the doctors. Hey, let, let people know that you're praying for them. And they may, they may make fun of you. They may ridicule you. But guess what? When they have difficult things going on in their life, when trouble comes... Guess who they're more likely to come to? The person that showed that they care. And that you want to do more than just good vibes your way. Right? You want to pray for them. Remember our purpose. Our purpose is to reflect Jesus Christ. Hey, retain our focus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. The Bible says, the Bible says in Hebrews, wherefore, seeing we also are, we're surrounded, we're compassed about, we're surrounded with, with a great cloud of witnesses. We got all kinds of people around us, especially here in, in, the, in, in L.A. County. We got all kinds of people around us, right? So let's lay aside every weight. Those things are going to hold us back. And also the sin that easily besets us. You know the things that easily get you. Maybe it's your temper. Maybe it's your greed. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's your pride. Whatever it may be. Hey, let's lay those things aside. Put aside the weights, the things that hold you back. Maybe it's something that's not a sin, but it's hindering you from being all that God wants you to be. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's a way that, something that you spend your time with. Let's lay those things aside 
and run with patience the race that is set before us because God has a race set before you and he wants you to fulfill it. Yes, there are going to be people all around you. They're going to be troubling you. They're going to be causing you problems. They're going to be aggravating you and irritating you. They're going to be lying about you. They're going to be doing all kinds of things against you. But hey, we can run this race with patience looking unto Jesus. Let's keep our focus. Let's, let's remember our purpose. Let's retain our focus on Jesus Christ. He is the goal. He is the one that we're wanting to glorify. He is the one that we're wanting the world to see. Let's keep our focus on Jesus because if we don't keep our focus on him, we're going to be focusing on everything around us, and that'll get discouraging real quick, right? And realize and experience the peace of God. When we keep our eyes on Jesus and we remember why we're here, hey, in the midst of a troublesome time, it's important to remember why God has us here because the purpose, the, the purpose for us being here gives us, gives us peace through the trouble. Our purpose gives us peace through the fire, through the storm, through the obstacles. Hey, Jesus gives us peace. The Bible says, the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Have you ever been misunderstood? Have you ever been misrepresented? Where somebody, where somebody takes the things that you say. We see this all the time uh, on, on the news uh, about politicians and things like this. If the, if the news outlet doesn't like a particular uh, politician, they're going to take anything they say and they're going to take anything they say and they're going to pick it apart and they're going to twist it and make it reflect something that they didn't, that they didn't uh, intend. They're doing their best to make their opposition look bad. And while, and while we recognize that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, people are not our problem. They are not, you say, oh, they're my problem. No. no, they're not our problem. People are not the problem. People are not our enemies. Satan is our enemy. And he is at work in the hearts and lives of people, deceiving them. And he is taking the things that you say, and he's twisting them. Or he's telling them, twist the words, or whatever it is. It may not be him personally because he's not omniscient, omniscient and omnipresent and omnipotent. He's not all-powerful and all-present and, and all-knowing. Uh, God is those things, uh, but, but Satan is not. But one of his, one of his uh, demons is doing that, influencing people. And they'll misrepresent you. And I'll tell you, Sometimes, sometimes when, when we're misrepresented, it's hard not to get mad, isn't it? How dare they say that about me? I didn't say that. They know good and well that's not what I said. You know, and, and it'll go all through us. But let's have a Christ-like response. Now, sometimes, sometimes we do need to stand and speak firmly. Depending on the situation, if, if, you, if you're in a position of authority, maybe you need to, maybe you need to, you, you, if you have to go around saying, I'm the boss, I'm the boss, you're not the boss, right? Um, but, but, if you, but if you will lovingly and sternly, you know, uh, graciously lead, then the things that you say will make a difference. The way that you lead, it'll make a difference. You can influence people uh, better. 
but, uh, but sometimes, sometimes we're misrepresented. Sometimes we're uh, slandered. Sometimes we're, uh, we're lied about. So what is our response? What do we do? Today we're going to talk about somebody that all that kind of stuff happened to. He was misrepresented. He was lied about. His words were twisted around. And with him, it's kind of a, I guess you could say a worst case scenario, but for a Christian, the worst case scenario is not really that bad, except for the human side of it. I mean, what's the worst they can do? Kill you? What's that for a Christian? It's heaven, right? We just get to go to heaven. Last week, we talked about this man named Stephen in Acts chapter 6. He was one that was chosen by the church when, when, the, uh, when the, uh, the problem arose that the, uh, that the widows of the Grecians were not being cared for uh, and, and their needs being met. Uh, the Bible said, tells us that, that the apostles are like, hey, we blew it. We, we didn't handle that the way we should have. So let's, let's select some people. Go ahead and pick some people out that we can put over that ministry. And, and we're going we're gonna to focus on what is most important. Because, it, because it's, it's, impossible for, it's impossible for the leaders to do all the, all the work, right? So they have to recruit others to be, to be involved. And, and let me encourage you. In, in the weeks ahead, we're going to have a ministry involvement Sunday where we're going to talk about different ministries and feature different ministries and things like that. And it may be ministry involvement Sundays because it might, you know, we might want to uh, spread it out to, to give a little extra attention to some of the ministries and all that. But I want to encourage you, find an area of ministry to be involved in. But the apostles, they said, they said uh, let's put some people over this so we can give ourselves to, the, to, the, to prayer and to the Word of God, teaching and preaching the Word of God. And, and, uh, and so they chose seven men. And one of the men was a man named Stephen. The Bible says he was full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And we talked about that last week. He was a man who was full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And, and, and the Bible goes on and tells us that, that as, he, as he lived his life, as he, uh, he would go about and share the gospel, he would preach, and people came up against him and opposed him, and they began to, they began to hire people because they couldn't, they couldn't uh, defeat his logic. Because they couldn't defeat him uh, in their arguments against him, they began to hire people to tell lies against him. Well, he's, he's blasphemed. He's, he's spoken against Moses, against the law, and against the temple. And in the Jewish tradition, the temple, it was, woo, you know, it was, uh, God, no, it was a place that was to represent the presence of God, but they, they looked at it almost as if it was God. And they idolized the temple. But Whenever I think of people doing that kind of thing, it reminds me of it reminds me so much of things that things that go on in our in our day and time. There, you know, there are people in in churches that they will get upset if you sit in their seat. The church wants to, if the, if the church wants to raise money to buy some chairs, they they want to be sure I'll donate it. But let's put a little pl a little plate on there that has an engraving that it was donated by me and my family. And then if you ever move that chair, where's my chair? 
They donated, but where's my chair, right? Yeah, and they began to get all uptight about stuff. Hey, if they gave it, it's God's. And it's just a chair. If somebody's sitting where you usually do, find another seat, right? And if there's not another one, praise the Lord, the church is full. Amen? And, but, but people get so uptight. Uh, in, in, uh, in the Old Testament, I think it was Nehemiah, but uh, uh, Nehemiah came in and, and he saw that the people of Israel were, were, uh, were worshiping this brazen serpent that Moses had made back when the children of Israel were in the wilderness being bit by the fiery serpents. And God said, look to the, look to the serpent and you'll live. And they did. But they, they were like worshiping that. And, and the, the prophet t- uh, took it and he, and he threw it down and he broke it up and he said, it's just a thing. It's just a thing. The temple is just a thing. This building is just a thing. It's going to burn. But so often we get our focus off of what's most important and get, and get it on things that are, that are just, they're going to burn. And we'll, and we'll sacrifice eternal, eternal benefit for temporal uh, pleasure and power, whatever it may be. And so they said, Stephen has blasphemed against this holy place. So we come to chapter 7, and the Bible, says, the Bible says that the high priest, the high priest asked him, he said, are, are these things so? Is this true, what's being said about you? And you know, it, it hurts when people say things against us, when they lie about us. And as strange as it sounds, even though the gospel is is good news, when we engage in gospel ministry, living out the gospel and reflecting the identity for which we were created, it's going to bring opposition our way, and people are going to say things against us that's going to hurt. It may cause some division uh, uh, where where you might have some friends that walk away. You might have some family members even that speak badly about you and, and like, I don't want anything to do with them anymore. And how heartbreaking that is. But you know what our response ought to be? Well, you, you don't want me in your life? I don't want you in my life. No, don't do that. That's not the right response. I cut you off first. No, 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 don't do that. How would Jesus respond? Let's do that. Today, as we look in, in Acts chapter 7, we see the response of, of Stephen to these accusations. If you want to follow along, you, if you've downloaded our church app, you can pull it up in the notes there. And, and I've got the, the different things, uh, the different uh, points there and the, the scripture verses and things like that that may be a help to you. The Bible says, then said the high priest, are these things so? And, and he said, men and brethren and fathers, hearken or hear, hear me. Listen to what I have to say. This is Stephen speaking now. He says, the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he, he dwelt in, in, in Haran uh, and said unto him, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come into the land which I shall show thee. 
Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And, and from thence, uh, when his father was dead, he removed him into this land wherein ye now dwell. And he gave him none inheritance in it, no, not so much as to set his foot on. Yet he promised that he would give it him for a possession and to his seed after him, when as yet he had no child. God had given a promise to, to Abraham that he would make him a blessing to all the world and, and that, that his, his descendants would, would number as the stars of the heaven or as the, sea, the sand which is by the seashore for, in multitude. And that was before Abraham had one child. And the promise came to Abraham when he was about 90 years old. Hey, God is the God of the impossible, amen? It was, it was many, many years, hundreds of years before the tabernacle would be erected there in the, in the, uh, the wilderness, the, the tent that they would carry with them and uh, through the wilderness that represented the presence of God. It was, it was uh, hundred, uh, hundreds of years before, the, uh, before Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, what a glorious and beautiful sight it was. So much of it was covered in gold and just expert craftsmanship, an amazing Amazing, amazing work of art, really. A symbol of the presence of God among his people. So God is helping them to understand. And, and Stephen is reminding them that, that God has a plan for a relationship with people. Stephen told, told them of God's plan for a relationship. He wanted a relationship with people and, and to, to be able to, uh, to fellowship together. See, God created us for fellowship. He wanted fellowship with us. He is, he is a Jehovah. He's the self-existent one. He is all-powerful. He needs nothing. In fact, he, he says in his word, if I were hungry, do you think I'd tell you? I don't have to tell you. I, I could just create something and feed myself if I wanted to. He needs nothing, but he wanted fellowship. And so he, he decided to make man and, and in order to make man, uh, according to his design, he, he created a universe. And in that universe, he created, uh, he created galaxies. And, and he created just the right kind of galaxy. And, and in that galaxy, he put just the right kind of solar system uh, in just the right place in the galaxy. And, and, he, put, uh, and, he, and uh, he, he put planets in that solar system. And he took one planet and put it just in the right place in that solar system to, to uh, sustain the life that he would create. All according to his design. Incredible. He, he made the planet uh, and, and, and he put it just in the right spot, far enough away from the sun so it wouldn't burn up, but close enough so we wouldn't freeze to death. Isn't that incredible? Only God can do that. He put all the resources and everything that we would need right here on earth uh, for us and created the atmosphere just perfectly and everything just perfect. And then he made man and, and he made us in his image and after his likeness and put us there and put man there in the Garden of Eden. But it wasn't long after giving man life and giving him dominion over the, the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over everything uh, that man decided, hey, I, I want to I, I be like God. The serpent 
Satan in the, in the uh, form of a serpent had told him, hey, God is keeping things from you. God told you you can eat of all the trees except for this one, but it, he just knows if you eat from that tree, then you'll be wise like he is. You'll be as God, knowing good and evil. And so man decided to disobey God inside with Satan, and he ate of the tree and fell into sin. And that sin that he committed, it separated him from God. It separated the, the human race from God. And, we've, and ever since then, man has been, has, been, uh, has been separated from God. But God wanted fellowship with us because he loves us so much. And he knew that, he knew that separation from him, that siding with Satan, meant that we would, we would endure the same consequence of Satan's rebellion against him, which is hell. And God doesn't want that for anybody. The Bible tells us he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so he made a way to restore us in fellowship. Why? Because he wants a relationship. God has a plan for a relationship. And we see that, we see that, uh, that Stephen told them of that plan, how God chose Abraham and God told Abraham that through his descendants, the, the world would be blessed. And, and God, God chose the people of Israel to be his chosen people through whom he would, he would work and, and get the message of his love to the entire world. But Israel got so focused on, on the religious side of it. They got so focused on the do's and the don'ts and, and all, and they wanted to make sure that they, that they didn't slip up, so they made additional rules and laws and made it so hard to even keep the law. They wanted to put God in a box and, and limit him to, you can only do these things. But God is far more than, than what our, our human minds can comprehend. And, and Israel, they, they began, became so focused on God's choice of Israel that they failed to choose God. Abraham had a relationship with God before there was a tabernacle, before there was a temple. He, Stephen goes through and he talks about Abraham. He talks about Joseph. He talks about Moses. Joseph had a relationship with God before there was a tabernacle. Moses had a relationship with God before there was a temple. Because a relationship with God is on a personal basis. It is individual, not institutional. We've had many that have, through the years, that have joined uh, the church in membership, entering into the membership covenant with us, and, and, and wanting to be a part of what God is doing here. But joining a church does not make you a child of God. Being a child of God is it's a personal decision. You need to see yourself as a, as a sinner, guilty, just as guilty as Adam was the day that he disobeyed God, rebelled against God, and ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, I've never eaten the fruit. You've sinned. You know why? Because you're a sinner. The Bible says, wherefore as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and, de excuse me, and death by sin. 
And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. When I say you're a sinner, I'm not singling you out. But for you, for you to make this decision, you need to single you out. Because see, we have this, we have this tendency as human beings, when, we, when we're, we understand that everybody else is kind of in the same boat, then we have a tendency to kind of justify it. But I wouldn't want to go to hell even if everybody else did. And without, without turning to Jesus Christ, a person, no matter how, how charitable they are, no matter how many good deeds they do, no matter how many people they bless in their life, without a relationship with Jesus Christ, anybody and everybody will go to hell. I'm not standing up here today saying I'm going to heaven because I'm a pastor. In fact, Jesus said there will be many on the day of judgment that say, I've preached in your name. And he'll say, I never knew you. There are pastors, there are, there are teachers, there are deacons, there are, there are hospitality uh, uh, team members, there are nursery workers, there are people from all over that, that, are, that are in churches everywhere that are serving in some capacity, but they are going to spend eternity separated from God because they depended on what they do rather than what Jesus did. Stephen told of God's plan for a relationship. And he goes through and, and, he, and he, he shared, the, he shared the, the verses helping them to see, hey, God, sent, God gave this promise to Abraham. He worked through Joseph, but, our, but the, the fathers, uh, the patriarchs, the sons of Jacob, they rejected Joseph, God, the, the one that God had, had was, was working through for the preservation of his people. They, they rejected Moses, the man that God sent to lead them out of bondage. They rejected the law, the word of God that he gave them to help them to honor him with their life. They rejected the Lord and chose uh, he goes through and he, and he mentions in this, in this text and it's a, it's a long it's a long sermon that, that Stephen preaches to them uh, and, and so I, I'm, it's 60 verses and, and I want to encourage you to read it. I'm not going to read it all today uh, but uh, uh, it's 60 verses there that where he's, he's preaching to them and he's, he's telling them he's telling them hey you rejected the Lord you turned to Moloch Moloch was a, was a god that was worshipped and, and he's been called many different names through the years, but he's a god that was, that was only satisfied by human sacrifice. Can the people of God get so far away that they would do that? Yeah, when, we reject, when, when humans reject God, there's no limit to what they'll do. I don't, want God's, I don't want God telling me what to do. I don't want anybody telling me what God says. And they will, they will go to, to the extent of human sacrifice, killing human beings, not, not in, the, in the way of capital punishment, which God said, if a man sheds man's blood, then by man shall his blood be shed. That's, that's, that's a Bible thing. That's, that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about ki the killing of innocent life. Do you know when? Do you know when? When civilizations reach the point uh, in, in their digression to where they are, they are killing innocent human beings. That that it's just a matter of time before that civilization collapses. Look through history; it's only a matter of time before it collapses. And we have we have reached in our day and time. We have reached the pinnacle of uh, of the. Uh, 
I, I guess uh, we, we've, reached, we've reached that point. What do you mean? Where are, they, where are they sacrificing? Where are they killing innocents? In the abortion clinics. They're doing it, they're doing it every day. Since the year I was born, thou, in 1973, thousands and thousands and thousands of babies have been murdered. And, and let me say this. I know that there are many people who have made a choice before they come to Christ or before they understand what's going on there. You've made a choice to maybe have an abortion. And let me say, let me say this, God, God forgives. There is grace, there's forgiveness, there's restoration, there is peace, and, and, and he will help you through that. And so don't think that I'm standing here today condemning you or anything like that. God loves you. Hey, but, and, 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 look, and you can look at it this way. You got somebody waiting on you when you get to heaven. Amen? Amen? But what about my body, my choice? Yeah, your body. Make the choice before you decide to hook up. And the baby's body is not yours. Israel turned away from God and turned to human sacrifice. Moloch. The prophets were sent by, by God to come and preach. But they didn't want to hear them. They rejected them one after another, and they, they martyred, they murdered them, they killed them because of what they preached. Isaiah, we, we all love reading the book of Isaiah, right? And we love Isaiah 53. Uh, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The prophecy of Messiah, the prophecy telling about Jesus' crucifixion uh, and the, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep are gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And we're so grateful for that one who stood and boldly proclaimed and prophesied the coming of the Messiah. But Israel wasn't happy to hear it and in fact the king Manasseh took ordered, ordered Isaiah to be taken and, and shoved up inside a hollow log and sawn in half why? because he preached about the coming Messiah he preached that God deserves our, our loyalty, our service and deserves to be honored and, and worshipped uh, but Manasseh and the people of Israel they did not want to hear it they wanted to do their own thing one prophet after another after another were martyred they were, they were killed for preaching John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, was beheaded because he dared to speak to the king about the sin that the king was living in. But through all of that, through the history of Israel, we see them turning away time after time after time we see God reaching out to restore we see him reaching out and offering rest, uh, restoration reconciliation he offers forgiveness over and over and over but Israel said we don't want it your way we want it our way because, because you working in our hearts 
that's not really going to impress too many people. But if they see the building, if they see the things we do, if they see the large offerings we give, if they see our, our fancy robes and everything, they'll be really impressed and know that we're spiritual people. So we want it our way. God wants a relationship on an individual basis, not institutional. Stephen told them of the, of the relationship that God wanted, but then he exposed their sin. God had continued to reach out. And although Israel had rejected Joseph and Moses, the Lord and the law and, and the prophets, Israel had rejected the ones who told of Messiah. But these that Stephen was speaking to, they rejected Messiah. They rejected Jesus himself. He said, he said in, in verse, verse 51, he said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have your, have your fathers not persecuted? And they have, they have uh, they've slain them which, which showed before the, uh, of the coming of the just one. He said, our fathers, they, they murdered. They murdered the ones who told of the coming of the just one. He said, but you took him. And with your wicked hands, he said, you've, you've been now the betrayers and murderers. Messiah came to deliver you, but you betrayed him. Messiah came to give you life, but you murdered him. But I'm so grateful that even though our sin nailed Jesus to the cross. There's still hope. There's still forgiveness. There's still an opportunity for salvation. So Stephen told them of the relationship that God wanted uh, with them. He, he exposed their sin, uh, which, which made them so angry. The, the Bible says when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. They were convicted, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. The word gnash, it means, it means to strike your teeth together. And they were just angry, just like that. I mean, just like rabid dogs. They got so angry. Yeah, like that. And... And, but he pointed them to Jesus. Even though they were angry with him, he still pointed them to Jesus. The Bible goes on, verse 55, it says, it says, but he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, behold, he's like, look. I see the heavens open and the Son of, of Man standing on the right hand of God. He's pointing them to Jesus. He's like, you killed, you killed Messiah. You betrayed him. You murdered him. But, hey, there he is. Look, there he is. And he's pointing them to Jesus. Helping them to see that Jesus is who he claimed to be. 
standing on the right hand of God, right where Jesus said he would be. Sadly, they did not receive Jesus. They did not receive the message. Even though they were convicted by their sin, they were convicted by the word of God. They did not receive it. They rejected it. And they went further, not just to kill Messiah, but they killed Stephen. The Bible says, the Bible says, behold, uh, the Bible says, then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul and they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying Lord Jesus receive my spirit as they as they went running upon him as he's as he's pointing out Jesus to them he's expo- told them that God wants a relationship with them but they've rejected him he exposed their sin and, but he said Jesus has reached out time and time but you've murdered him and he's like here he is he's he's right there he's ready to forgive ready to receive but rather than rather than turn to Jesus they stop their ears and this morning I hope you won't stop your ears I hope you won't get angry at the messenger I hope you'll receive the message of Jesus Christ with love and grace hey Jesus died for you and he wants to forgive you of your sins and save you and he will do that today Regardless of what you've done, regardless of where your life has taken you, taking you, regardless of, of the decisions you've made to reject Jesus in the past, you're here today and he's giving you one more opportunity to receive him. They took Stephen and they, they cast him out. The Bible says that as they're throwing the stones at him, Stephen cries out and he says, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. He's been been teaching and preaching and and, uh, giving the gospel to them. The Bible has said in in chapter 6 that they beheld him as as he had like the face of an angel. And and, uh, and he's he's preaching and and teaching truth to them. And even even now as they're throwing rocks to, to take his very life, He's still reflecting Jesus. But what if, what if I begin to, to share Jesus with my coworkers? What if I begin to share Jesus with my family? What if I begin to tell them, uh, tell them uh, the gospel and, and tell them that about sin and that they're guilty and, and that if they don't receive Jesus, they're going to go to hell? What if I, I tell them that and they get mad at me? They might. They got mad at Stephen. But what if, they, what if they reject me? They might. They rejected Joseph and Moses and Jesus. But what if they hurt me? They did that to a lot of people through the years. The, the, the apostle John, they took him and, and put him in a, va, in, a, in a big cauldron of boiling oil. That hurt. But he continued serving Jesus because he remembered his purpose. See, this, this life is, even if we live to be, even if we live to be 100 years old, 100 years compared to eternity is nothing. And the things we do in this life prepare us for eternity. I want, I want, this life to reflect Jesus Christ so in eternity I can glorify him to the fullest.
I want, I want him to be seen in my life now so that many others can be there with Jesus then. But what if they kill me? You know they're doing that in countries around the world. Several years ago we were hearing about ISIS going through, uh, going through the, uh, the, the Middle East there and, and killing, uh, killing Christians and there was a video on YouTube of, of many of them being murdered there on the, on the, the banks of, the, of the, the, the ocean there. It's very, very sad to see. Many people have given their life for the cause of Christ through the years. Many people have died so we could have a copy of the Word of God. You know, the man that, uh, the man that got under a burden for the Bible to be in English was burned at the stake for doing so? He was burned because he, because he translated the Bible into English. We don't have anybody today coming to kick our doors in and drag us out into the street and tie us up and shoot us or behead us or burn us. We do have people that will cancel us or laugh at us or whatever. But are you willing to face that for Jesus? And even if they do th those things to you, even if they throw a rock through the windshield of your car or spray paint graffiti on your house, are you still willing to stand for Jesus? Are you still going to respond in a way that would, would reflect Jesus to them? What if somebody gets mad and takes you out in the middle of the, in the, middle of the desert and, and kills you? Are you willing to say, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge? Are you willing to follow the example of Jesus Christ who said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Because you may not know in this life, especially if we give our lives in that way, who's watching. In the days ahead, we're going to talk more about this man the Bible mentioned here, just kind of almost, you miss it if you're not careful. But the Bible says in verse 58, they laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Saul was a member of the Sanhedrin, the religious council. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, very zealous he gave his approval. It was under his authority that Stephen was stoned. And he's watching. And he's listening. And he hears, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And he died. 
And I can't help but think that Paul, that Saul, later named Paul, could not get that out of his mind. Later, he, we see that he goes and he's persecuting Christians, taking them out to be arrested and even killed. And one after another, he's seeing the grace and the testimony of Jesus Christ in their life that started when he watched a man named Stephen die for Jesus. Spoiler alert, Saul gets saved, becomes the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest preachers ever to, ever to walk the earth. Reached thousands for Jesus Christ. God used him to, to pen most of the New Testament. But what if Stephen had been, what if, what if they had thrown the rock at Stephen and Stephen said, you're not going to throw that at me. How dare you? What if he answered them in the way that they came at him? Saul would have probably stood there and said, y'all go ahead and take care of business. And not thought a second thing about it. We're, like I've said, we're not normally in danger of losing our lives for the sake of the gospel. But we ought to give our lives for the sake of the gospel. We ought to be willing to sacrifice our everything for Jesus Christ who gave his everything for us. I guess by way of conclusion, I would, I would say, how are you reflecting Jesus? Especially in the midst of opposition. It's easy to be nice and Christian when everything is going right. When everything is smooth sailing. When somebody's coming against you, how are you reflecting Christ? I'll tell you, this is a convicting message to me. And I pray that God works in our hearts where we would, we would search ourselves and even say, Lord, would you search me and show me the things that need to be taken out of my life, the, the attitudes that need to change. Lord, would you help me, to, help me to view things through a lens of eternity? What is needful and necessary? What is of eternal value and purpose? And help us to focus on that. Would that be your prayer today? Last week we said we wanted the testimony of Stephen. A man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. But this man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Ended up getting killed for his faith and being full of the Holy Ghost. How far are you willing to go? How far are you willing to let Jesus use you? What are you willing to endure and face for the cause of the gospel? Maybe there's somebody here that God would would put it on your heart to to become a missionary to a foreign country. Maybe maybe God wants to call somebody to be a, a missionary to, you know, Alhambra or Arcadia or something like that, right? Maybe God...
wants to put on your heart to, to lead you to, to begin serving a, a, a segment of our, of our community that, that maybe is overlooked or whatever. Hey, however God is working in your, in your heart, live the gospel, whatever it takes, whatever it costs. God will be glorified and, he, and you will reap eternal rewards for it. And there's no telling how many souls are out there watching what's going on in your life. And your testimony just might be the linchpin that causes them to turn to Christ. Are you willing to have the character and the testimony of Christ? Let's stand together, our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Jesus, you are so amazing. You are so, so good to us. I'm glad that you, while it, while it breaks my heart that you had to go through such suffering, I'm glad that you were willing to and that you did go through such suffering for us. Thank you, Lord, for your decision to take our sin upon yourself and to give yourself as a sacrifice so that we could be set free. Thank you for the examples we have through Scripture of those who stood boldly for the cause of Christ, even though it cost them some, it cost them their very lives. May we be willing to yield ourselves to you. As Paul said in the book of Romans, I beseech you, I beg you, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, Present your bodies a living sacrifice. May we yield ourselves to you today, Lord, completely not holding anything back. Help us to go where you say to go. Help us to do what you say to do. Help us to say what you want us to say. And help us to reach this community, this county, this state, this country, and around the world with the gospel. Lord, for all that you do, we'll thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.